Okay, and welcome back to another episode of the FMF State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Antonio. Uh, my co-host, Nestor, will join us later on in the next part of the episode. But for right now, we're going to talk to, uh, well, as you guys know, uh, we just witnessed a couple hours ago, Mexico and Algeria draw 2-2. And a pretty exciting match, actually. Mexico's second European friendly based in the Netherlands um, after beating the Netherlands 1-0 a couple days ago. Faced Algeria. Pretty tough test for Mexico, the toughest they've had to face in a while. And to talk about it, we have Walid Ziani, who runs the DZ, DZ Foot English Twitter account that follows Algerian football. Walid, how you doing, man? Thanks for being on. Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You want to give us like a little quick background on what it is you do over there at DZ Foot English? Yes, I've been a journalist with uh, DZ Foot since uh, almost 50 years now. Uh, we started the website back in 1999. Um, I wasn't around, obviously, uh, when it first started, but I've been a journalist with them since mid-2000s and then um, more part-time and then, you know, got, uh, you know, I got a lot more involved. Uh, now, uh, you know, I do uh, some player interviews, news. Um, I run the English Twitter account. Obviously, a lot of the coverage is in French for Algerian football, French and Arabic. Uh, I run the English uh, account, so that's what I do. And it's good that you do because that's how we found you. I sent him a message yesterday, so uh, it'd be great to have the Algerian perspective on to talk about this post-game match, so that's awesome, man. And uh, so, yeah, let's just get into it, shall we? Before we talk about the game itself, I wanted to ask you, because, um, you know, I, de- uh, I think there's a lot of Mexican fans still that probably were a little surprised that, that this Algerian team came out the way they did. So, like, I wanted to ask you, how was Algeria coming into this game? Like, we, we know they're the African champions. And I saw that they had a, a, about a 20-game unbeaten streak. But, uh, you know, what was their form like? How have, they, how have they been playing lately? Well, I mean, it's hard to really judge because uh, we didn't play a single game for the past year, obviously, due to COVID, which is the case for a lot of, um, you know, a lot of countries. It's not exclusive to us. But like you mentioned before, we were on a 19-game, well, coming into this window, 18-game uh, unbeaten streak. Uh, we won the African Cup. Uh, back in July 2019, uh, we beat Senegal twice. Senegal is the top team in Africa based on the FIFA rankings. Uh, we we beat uh, Tunisia in a friend in a friendly. We beat uh, Nigeria, Ivory Coast, and then after the African Cup was uh, I think one of our more impressive wins. Or sorry, one of the most impressive wins was uh, Colombia, who we beat uh, 3-0 in a friendly. And uh, Colombia, I think they were ranked nine, ninth or tenth coming into that game. So obviously, uh, there was a lot of excitement coming into this game. Um, I think uh, it's fair to say that Algeria is probably the best team in Africa right now. Um, I mean, it's hard to hard to argue otherwise at this point. And this is not me bragging or anything. This is just based on you know the form we've been on, the fact we're African champions, the fact that we've beaten so many other top teams in Africa. So uh, coming into the game, a lot of excitement and a lot of expectations as well. Uh, playing against uh, Mexico, obviously one of the top teams in the world. Um, you know, you guys are always at the World Cup. You guys do pretty well. Uh, Gold Cup champions. And, of course, uh, plenty of uh, great Mexican players throughout history. Uh, obviously, the great uh, Hugo Ch- Sanchez, who everybody knows. And, you know, more recently with guys like uh, Jimenez, uh, Chucky Lozano, Ecatito. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great Mexican players and uh, everyone knows them. It's not like uh, these days everyone knows pretty much all their opponents. So uh, we, we were expecting a tough game and that's exactly what we got. Yeah, definitely. We got a pretty exciting game. And like you said, 
I don't think it's it's hard. To, I don't think people can be discussing who's the best African team right now after what we saw. I mean, I I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I obviously knew what Algeria was working with. They have some, you know, amazing players like Mares, like Benasser. Uh, around the world so but it, it was just crazy to to see how they came out because they pressured Mexico from the get-go um, So let's talk about the game a little bit. What were your overall thoughts on you know the game itself and With you being you know bringing the Algerian perspective on Mexico's performance because they started a bit shaky Algeria Algeria from the get-go Started pressing Mexico and they, they looked a little bit shaky at the back Um. So for I mean first of all, I just want to give uh a bit of context. We were missing three of our starters. So we were missing uh, our right back, Yusuf Hapal, who plays for Nice in France. Right. Um, super offensive uh, attacking right back. Um, and we don't really have a great sub for him. Uh, the right back that played today was only making his third appearance for Algeria. And uh, we were also missing a center back and we were missing our starting left winger, uh, Yusuf Blady, who's been, uh, who's created a lot of our goals, either scoring or assisting. So. I think for us it was an opportunity to see uh, some maybe players that are not regular starters uh, prove themselves. And I think right off the get-go, uh, we definitely saw a very high uh, pressure from Algeria, uh, all the way you know, go, you know, pressing very high up the pitch. And it seemed like Mexico was struggling to pass out of the back. Um, and I, I thought we started off the game pretty well. There was a lot of uh, it was almost like you know, like a boxing match where teams are just jabbing at each other. Nobody was really taking control of the game. They were just trying to figure each other out. And I think, you know, the fact that we've never really played each other, obviously there was that one game back in 1985, but obviously this is a brand new generation. Uh, you know, a lot of things have changed things. And uh, yeah, I think it was a lot of, uh, you know, feeling each other out just to see what the other team is made of. I think both teams kind of knew what to expect, but until you get out there and, and you're really, you know, on the pitch, you don't really, uh, you don't really get to feel it. So. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you said, Algeria started pressing and Mexico looked a bit shaky. It was definitely the hardest test they've, Mexico's faced in a while. This is only our second game of the year, like you said, because of COVID and everything. But the Netherlands didn't put up as much of a fight at all, I would say. And it's and it's kind of disappointing to say that Mexico only won that game 1-0 because they did, they did not, like I said, they did not put as much of a fight at all on either side like Algeria did today. I think a lot of Mexican fans were really impressed by Algeria. Um, and I honestly thought you guys had the game um, after that Mares goal, um, but you know, in the <laughs> dying moments—not the dying moments, but like three minutes to the end—Diego Linus, uh, who was subbed on, comes and scores his first goal for Mexico, which is great for him. But uh, so, what, what were your overall? What were your thoughts on some of, on like Mexico's performance? Uh, because you know they 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 struck first, even after that high press, and then they kind of. There were moments in that second half where they, they didn't have the game at all. I think Algeria, even after going a man down, kind of took control of the game, and it was only at the end that they had the claw back. So what do you think about Mexico's performance? Um, I thought it was, and obviously I don't mean this, uh, you know, not to be insulting or anything, but I thought it was a bit underwhelming. Um, no, that's fair. Completely fair. Uh, okay. I mean, obviously you could see the skills of the individual players. Uh, whether it's Ticatito, whether it's uh, Rahul Jimenez, who I thought did uh, very well to link up with some of the other players. Uh, you know, Dos Santos in the middle. Um, you, you know, you could see, or Herrera, for example, is another guy. Um, you could see the individual brilliance of the players. You, know, you could tell these are high-level players with a lot of ability. But I, I thought it was, overall, I thought it was a bit of a disjointed effort. Now, also, I want to give credit 
to Algeria because Algeria has a tendency. This Algeria team, especially, they really study their opponents and they're a very gritty team. You know, a lot of people talk about Riyad Mahrez, they talk about Ben Nassar, they talk about Brahimi, you know, guys that can dribble, guys that play very, you know, aesthetically pleasing football. But you know, the strength of this Algeria team is not the dribbling, it's not the silky smooth plays and, and all that entertaining stuff. It's really what they do uh, defensively. It's a very well-organized mm-hmm. team, very compact. Um, and, and there's guys that will... Today we were missing our center back that I mentioned earlier, John Abdelhamini, but it's a very tough team. You know, I think you noticed our left back was getting into the pace of your right winger. I, don't, I can't remember which, which player was specifically for you guys, but it's a very tough and gritty team. So I think we did pretty well to uh, basically, sh- I wouldn't say shut down Mexico, but basically to to match up in Mexico. I thought we did that pretty well. We were able to, you know, impose more of our rhythm on the game as opposed to letting uh, Mexico dictate the, the pace of the game and, you know, dominate the possession. For sure. I mean, definitely, especially after going, unfortunately, a man down, I think Algeria really bunkered down and defended really well. There was, they, like, Mexico could not break through at all um, after that. And Tecatito Corona, who, you know, had a great game against Netherlands, had a good game against Algeria as well, but in that second half, he struggled to to find the ball, find that open space. I think you guys bunkered down pretty well. And then, um, obviously, I mean, like you said, it's not all... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, but and like you said, this Algeria team is not all about the flashy plays, but there were quite a few flashy plays, I'd like to say, from Mares. Uh, there was a moment when Brahimi just made Mexico's defense look like Liverpool's against Villa last weekend. It was that post saved uh, Mexico right there. But I mean, it, it was it was it was an entertaining game uh, after all. And you know, as fans, I, I think that's what you want. The game lived up to uh, lived up to its hype. Um, you know, it was after all a uh, you know I called it a clash of continental champions. You know, it's the champions of Africa going up against the champions of North America. Right. So, you know, you're, you're expecting a spectacle, you know, you're expecting a show. And we definitely did see that, but we also saw a tactical battle and we saw a physical battle. And, and I told people, um, Algerians don't know too much about Mexicans, I would say, you know, aside from the stereotypical, um, you know, Mexican the idea of, of Mexico. I don't think a lot of Mexicans, a lot of Algerians have had too much, um, too much insight into Mexico as a whole. And I told people, I'm like, Mexico is very, Mexican football and Mexican fans are very similar to Algeria. They play similar football. They're very passionate about their football, but they're also very feisty. You know, I think we're very similar. You know, I used to, um, I used to go down to North Carolina quite often. And I used to play with, uh, it was honestly a field full of just Mexicans. I think I was the only, there, there might've been like two, three non-Mexicans on the field. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So I, I played with them pretty often, and I'm like, you know what? These guys play exactly like we play in Algeria. It's a very similar football, very technical. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's it's good football. It's football that I like, and uh, yeah, very, very similar. And I think we saw that today. Definitely, I, I got a, some hints of that too. And I and I'd like to say a quick shout out to the Algerian fans because I, I saw that you guys were very it like interactive with like for example i was following obviously like the mexican national team accounts both in spanish and english and i saw that you guys were very interactive with that account um and just following mexico in general and being really nice about it i think that i think that's really great to see even even when i don't know if you heard about this 
Waleed, but even when Mexico's English account uh, posted like, oh, some facts about Algeria, and they mistakenly put Tunisia as part of Algeria. I don't know if you saw that. I saw that. I saw that. that was funny. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> it's was. Funny because, it's funny because Tunisia are like our little brothers. Right, we're right. Like, we're like, you know what? Yeah, we'll claim them. They're one of us. <laughs> That's what. Yeah. It was. It was. It was not good for the admin for the Mexican national team account. But I mean, you guys took it well. I don't know about if Tunisians took it well, but uh, you know that's another story. Um, like I said before, our fans are very passionate. Sometimes a bit over the top. You know, they could mm-hmm. be uh, very—I wouldn't say hostile, very defensive about our uh, about our teams. And you know, there's always a lot of clashes on social media, just because they're so passionate. You know how football fans are, and I think yeah, yeah. it's similar to say Mexico versus the U.S. or Mexico versus Honduras or El Salvador. You know, some of your more regional, uh, local uh, opponents. So right. usually in those cases, our fans could be a bit over the top. But I think the fact that it was Mexico, uh, it was almost like a, like we call it in French, uh, a gala. Like a, uh, uh, you know, like, a, like, I don't know how to say, I don't know how to translate it really, but <laughs> it was more of a, uh, like a main event type of match. Yeah. I don't know if that, that even makes sense, but you probably have to edit that out. We'll run with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so really, I think there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of mutual respect, which I thought was great because that's not always the case. Uh, but I thought our, our fans were great about it. And kudos to the Mexico fans because they were great about it as well. I had a lot of Mexicans reach out to me, um, you know, a few journalists. So I'm actually some big name journalists and they were very uh, super friendly, super, uh, super like humble and down to earth. And uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, it was one of the more pleasant friendly matches we played because our friendly matches, uh, you know, things tend to pop off every now and then. And uh, no, this one went off uh, pretty well. I think also the fact that there was no fans uh, made it a bit of a different experience because I know uh, Algeria fans travel very well, especially we have a huge community in Europe, like we're talking millions. Right. So uh, similar to uh, the Mexican community in the U.S. You know, when the Mexico plays in the U.S., yeah. there's always, you know, there's always tons of Mexico fans. Well, very oh, similar sure. to, yeah, yeah, so it's very similar to that in Europe. And I think the fact that, uh, you know, things were uh, no fans, you know, that changed it a bit. So. Yeah, definitely. But it, like you said, it's nice to see that the, the friendly, it, it, it went well on all, on all aspects. So That's it, exactly. I mean, yeah, it, it popped off a bit between the players but I, I think you'd like to see that kind of fight from your players oh yeah of course of course yeah, yeah. there's a lot of pride on the line and uh, of course the fact that you haven't played in a year uh, you want to prove yourself to the fans to the coach you know to, to your teammates so you know it was good to see the players uh, took it very seriously and even if, even if some of the tackles were a bit rough honestly as long as nobody got injured uh, you know I don't mind it Oh yeah, definitely, and I'm, I'm gonna echo that same thing. And I think that's what was a little bit missing from the Netherlands game. Listen, I don't know if the Netherlands played us with all that they had. They definitely didn't show it. And you can kind of see it in, in the fouls too. There was barely, barely any fouls. I don't know if there was even one yellow card in that game. This game we had a little bit more, but like you said, I mean, it's part of the game. And I think we like to see a little bit of that fight. But um, yeah, going back to like, let's talk about the players in, in specific. And uh, I know you kind of mentioned this a little bit. But what were some Mexico players that impressed you and then at the same time kind of disappointed you with how they played against Algeria? 
Um, when it comes to that question, I think I'm a bit biased because I'm based in North America. So I think I have a lot more insight into Mexican football than your average Algeria fan. So I already knew a lot of these players. Um, I mean, I, I don't watch the Mexican league, so I, I mean, I don't know any of those guys. But uh, obviously, for me, one of, the, one of the guys I was most excited to watch was uh, Tecatito. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, he's just a great player, right? He can, I mean, who, who wouldn't want to watch him, right? Um, right, right, right. And I, and, and I thought when he, I mean, the, he had the chip goal, right? Over uh, on the first goal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was, you know, that finish was was brilliant. You know, you would expect a lot of players to, you know, they get the first chance early in the game. Well, it wasn't early in the game, but... Uh, you know, first goal of the game, a uh, chance to score the first goal. A lot of players would try to just blast it, pick a corner, pick you know, one side or the other. Uh, he didn't do that. He, uh, you know, lovely chip. Like, it was so gorgeous. It just, like, bounced right at the line and, and went in. So, definitely shows his ability. I, I, th- I was expecting a bit more from Jimenez, but I also understand that when you play as a striker, uh, it, it, dep- it depends a lot on uh, the, the balls they feed to you. So, you know, I know the type of striker he is because I watch him uh, regularly uh, for his club. And I know that, you know, as a striker, uh, similar to our striker, by the way, Bunajah, he didn't really uh, show up today because uh, I, I don't think he really got a lot of service. And I thought that was the same for him. And his, uh, I thought wasn't the best of games, even though I think he had both assists, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. Yeah, he did. yeah. So, so, I mean, stat-wise, he got two assists, so it's hard to argue with that. But also, I thought he, he could... Uh, you know, for the average fan, I think uh, he could have done uh, a bit more. No, definitely. And that that's something that Jimenez has been struggling with uh, in the Netherlands game. And if we go way back to all the times he's been in a Mexico shirt, he, he has trouble with finishing in the Mexico shirt for some reason. And I think in the past, we could chalk it up to lack of service. I mean, there's not going to be... a players that link up with him as well as his Wolves teammates do um, but I think uh, in these two games I think he had some clear chances that he just couldn't put away but um, you know obviously I, I get that like if everybody sees him just you know running the world at Wolves in the Premier League they expect to see that with the Mexican national team but not 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 the case so far but yeah um, just to add I think a lot of people uh, international football is different than club football um, even though, you know, at the end of the day, it is football. But don't forget, some of these teams only have, like, three, four days to prepare for these matches. Players are right. traveling. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of different players. You know, one day you're playing with one guy. Um, you know, next game, which might be a month, two months later, you're playing with different guys. You know, you're playing in different pitches, different countries. There's a lot of factors that are changing. And a lot of people need to keep that in mind. So a lot of people see what you do at the club level and think, you know, that automatically gets replicated at the international level. Not the case. There's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, when you see a player like Jimenez who, who, who you know, scores so many goals in the Premier League who might not do that for his club team, uh, for, his, uh, for his country, it doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just means, you know, things are different. His, even his role. His right. role, uh, you know, he's playing under a different coach, different system. So, you know, things are different. And, uh, you know, people need to con- contextualize these things and, you know, keep in mind that, Say things are not you're not comparing apples with apples you know yeah exactly and i think the fact that he got both of his assists like you could see he was doing more once he once he figured out that maybe his finishing wasn't all there he was doing a lot more than he usually does so i think that was that was good to see he had a much better game than the than the game against the netherlands so i think mexican fans can be proud of that 
Um, what about Algeria? Since you have a little bit more insight on obviously the Algerian national team, what kind of players really impressed you today and or disappointed either one? Um, I'd say the most impressive was probably our left back, uh, Rami Bensabeni. He plays for uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Bundesliga. Uh, 25-year-old, uh, he joined last summer in 2019 for about, I think it was 10 million euros. And I think mm -hmm. he has the potential to be, uh, you know, I think he can, they're in the Champions League group stage this year. Uh, so I think he has the potential to be uh, a great player. So I think if he keeps up his form, I think within a year or two, uh, we could see him moving to a, a, a much better. He's the one that had the interception and the assist. That's that's what I was about to say. He was the one that intercepted Sanchez. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he's a very uh, just the, you know the fact that he was so high up the pitch. He's a very attacking-minded player. Very comfortable with the ball. Uh, very good defensively. He's tall. He can run. Um, just a really good uh, good player. And I think it showed today. Um, and, and he's a bit feisty too. He uh, got into the face of one of your players. Uh, I think it was in the second half. Yeah, yeah, in the second mm -hmm. half, a bit, a bit after the red card. Uh, I thought he was really good. Uh, disappointing, uh, Gidiora, one of the players that got sent off. Um, not because of his... I mean, Gidiora is like 34, 35 years old. He's not... Even at his prime, he was not the greatest player. But he's a guy that really makes up for it with his fight and his, uh, his work ethic. And, and he's a great team guy to have. You know, he's a guy that will just work hard won't say anything he's always smiling you know he's a good he's a good glue guy like they say in uh you know in the nba and stuff and mm -hmm. uh, the disappointing part was not his performance because i, I kind of don't expect much from him anyway i know what he brings and that's kind of what uh, what he did bring um the disappointing part is you're a veteran you're 35 years old you already have a yellow card you don't need to get, pick up another yellow card it was an unnecessary reckless tackle uh in the 55th minute you had no reason to do it in the midfield that was, that, that's the part that's disappointing for me, is that, you know, a veteran player who, sh who should know better uh, and really penalizing his team and uh, forcing us to play the last 35 minutes uh, man down. However, with that being said, uh, I think uh, the fact that he got sent off uh, really changed the game and it opened up space for our wingers. And uh, we saw that run uh, shortly after by Mahrez, where he, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you know exactly what run I'm talking about where he uh, took a couple of your defenders and then shot the ball inside the box and was safe. And then um, I think there was another one by Brahimi shortly after. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> was, I can't remember if that was before the red card or after the red card. But anyways, I think that opened up the game. I think we started taking control. And it even looked like we were the one playing with the extra man and it wasn't Mexico. Uh, so, I mean, I guess exactly. it, it turned out pretty well. But then by the end of the game, it was clear that... Um, you know, we were uh, getting our players were getting tired, and uh, the Mexican players kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, you guys hit the post twice, and then of course got got your goal uh, right right at the end. So, yeah, I mean, again, given the circumstances uh, with COVID, the fact that these guys haven't played together in a while, um, it, you know, it's a very complicated time, not just for football but just in the world right now. So I'm not too too worried about performance. I know some of the players didn't play too, too great, but I'm not, you know, overly concerned with that. And I, I'm willing to give all the guys who didn't do great a free pass. Definitely, yeah. It, it definitely is a weird time. So, um, but I think it was a very enjoyable game. I really enjoyed watching it. And I think I really enjoyed um, what Algeria brought. Like I said, it's the toughest test Mexico has faced so far uh, in a while. 
And I think more friendlies like this, we just scheduled one with South Korea for next month. So more, more friendlies like this, more friendly like, like the Netherlands one, like the Korea one, it's only gonna help and it's only gonna get better in due time. So um, we're getting kind of close to the end here, but before we go, I kind of wanna ask, um, this doesn't have to do it exactly with the game, but it's something that you kind of brought up that I thought that I thought about as well and that I thought was really interesting to talk about because you mentioned about Algeria, the huge Algerian population in Europe and how that kind of correlates, not correlates, but the, how that kind of mirrors the Mexican population here in the U.S., which if you're listening to this podcast, you know it's huge. If you live in the U.S., you know it's huge. But um, I wanted to ask about the relationship that Algeria and France have with you know their football federations and their national teams because you know historically they've had a like a really close relationship i think they mentioned in the broadcast it was like 18 or something players of algeria's team today that were born in france and i mean you've always you hear stuff like you know you've had players like zidane like benzema like mbappe who have that algerian heritage um guys like awar who was an arsenal target who just got called up by france not too long ago uh, I kind of wanted to ask, what's the, what's your thoughts on having that sort of relationship with France, like as as a fan and as someone who follows the team, like you know, just what's your thoughts on it? What's it like? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And just to provide some context, uh, Algeria was colonized. For those who are not aware, we were colonized by France for 132 years. Uh, so when we gained our independence in 1962, which is relatively mm -hmm. recent compared to, especially compared to a lot of Latin American countries. And um, so there will always be that link. And France and Algeria are not too far away from each other. There's just the Mediterranean in between. And uh, there, there's always going to be that link between Algeria and France, just based on our historical ties. You know, our, uh, I mean, when you're colonized for 130 years by a country, and you speak the language, there's always going to be those ties. Um, in terms of the community, uh, the, you know, the, the, sorry, the, uh, the link between the two, uh, like you said, and like I mentioned before, there's a huge community of Algerians uh, all over Europe, but especially in France, we're talking uh, millions. And uh, obviously there's been a lot of players of Algerian descent who have played for France. And there's been a ton of uh, French-born players who have played for Algeria, French-born Algerians right. who have played for Algeria. Uh, today, I think uh, seven or eight of the starters uh, were born and raised in France. So, I mean, for us, it's honestly, it's a great thing. Uh, you have, I mean, of course, you have the players coming out of your country, which you'll always have no matter what. But now you can also rely on on your, you know, similar to Mexico with players born in the U.S. You know, you can rely on these other players uh, being produced by other countries. And, of course, not all of them are going to play for Algeria, but a lot of them will. And really, it's, it's a bonus. It's it's a it's a freebie that you're getting. Like, we got uh, Riyad Mahrez who's obviously the most famous Algerian player right now. He's born and raised in France. You know, he's a product of French football. But when he turned, uh, well, I guess it was a little later in his career, but, you know, he played for Algeria instead of playing for France. Uh, you know, we have uh, Nabil Bantaleb. He used to play for Tottenham when he was 19 years old. He was a starter in the Premier League, and he opted to play in Algeria, to play for Algeria. So we've had so many great players. Alaysen uh, Woodhead, the goalkeeper. Um, I think he has over 70 caps. He's born and raised in France. So, I mean, there'll always be that, 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 that link between the two. Uh, and now we're on the third and fourth generation of Algerians in France. Um, and it, there's, it's, so, it's so well organized. Because before, you used to only have players. You know, you used to have the odd player here and there. 
now you have Algerian coaches, Algerian club presidents, you have Algerian scouts, you have this whole network of Algerians, like former internationals. Uh, you, you still hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, I think my AirPods were dying. Yeah, so you have this whole network of, of Algerians involved in football. You know, uh, mm-hmm. one of the uh, league, uh, uh, which is the top flight in France, one of the presidents of the clubs is Algerian. And he signed three players from Algeria. So, you know, that, that's great that you have that that um, that option for the players. And then uh, the president of, or the sporting director of another Ligue 1 club, Nîmes Olympique, uh, is Algerian as well. And he recently signed a player from Algeria. And I know a lot of these people have these, like, projects to sort of bring together Algerian football and French football. And it's a win-win for both. You know, for Algeria, you get to export your players to France. And a lot of these players want to go to Europe anyway. And then for France, you know, you, you get almost like first dibs uh, on some of these players. You can get them early. You can get them cheaper. So it, it's good for both. Uh, despite, you know, we had, a, I mean, despite the fact, despite the history, we had a war with France. So, you know, it's it's a bit complicated. But I think from a purely football perspective, it's, it's great. Um, you know, our 2010 team, our 2014 World Cup team uh, had a lot of uh, French born players. And I think it'll it'll always be uh, the case. And I think we're going to see more players from all over the world, um, not just France. Um, recently at BZ Foot, we did some interviews with some German-born players. Um, so excited to see how those guys do. And then there's players in the UK, uh, Spain, Italy, like all over. I mean, there's a huge, mm-hmm. huge community. And uh, a lot of these guys still have ties to Algeria. Some of them go back in the summer uh, for vacation. And yeah, no, it's, it's good. I mean, uh, it, it can only be good for us. So. Yeah, that's great. That's wow. That, thank you for all that. That's really interesting to hear. And that's great. It's good to hear that it's kind of positive all around because, you know, when talking about and it, it, I would I would think it's because Mexico and the U.S. are such fierce rivals and France and Algeria in footballing terms are not that they're not even based in the same confederation. But, you know, over here, it's, it's more like, you know, when the U.S. and Mexico fight for certain players it's kind of a negative you know relationship like all oh, the u.s has this player oh no mexico has this player you know what i mean uh, right now off the top of my head you know we have u.s that are courting guys like richie ledesma who plays at psv ulises Yanes, who plays in um who plays in netherlands as well and then mexico who has you know guys like efrain alvarez who plays with the galaxy and jonathan gonzalez who very publicly switched from the u.s to mexico so it's kind of it's kind of negative, especially in the media. But it's cool to see that um, it, it's kind of a pos- It seems to be a positive relationship over there. And um, don't get me wrong, since you did mention negative, there's always negative um, cases like Awar, cases like Nebil Fakir, who plays for Real Betis. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he made when he made his decision, uh, there was a lot of uh, drama involved with that. So oh, I mean, okay. there's always there's always going to be that drama for some of these more high profile players. So some right. players, when they, when they make the switch, nobody's ever heard of them, aside from guys that really follow football. And they were probably never good enough to play for France anyway. Um, but there is, I mean, it's not all rosy, it's not all positive. There has been some, no, there, there has been a lot of drama. Uh, most recently, Awad, Hassan Awad that you mentioned, uh, linked with Arsenal. And um, yeah, but I mean, honestly, the positives greatly outweigh the, the, the negatives. And uh, it, it's it's a bridge. It's a bridge that helps uh, link two communities. Uh, you know, the Algerians that are in France to, to Algeria, their home country. But also, the bigger picture of France and Algeria. Uh, again, despite our 
you know, despite the war, uh, despite our history, you know, I, I think they're our biggest, one of our biggest trading partners, uh, economically speaking. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be those links, so might as well make the most of it. And, uh, yeah. No, definitely. That's great. And, and it's awesome to, to, to see that, you know, it's not just France, it's all over Europe. And I think that's what Europe is nowadays. You see players, you know, the French national team who won the World Cup have players from all over, you know, Africa and other places. And really every European team is just filled with people that come from immigrants and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's really cool to see. And I, I think, I know this isn't a U.S. soccer podcast, but it's kind of the route I would, I would think that the U.S. soccer needs to kind of take a look at if they ever want to get really far in footballing terms in my opinion at least um obviously i think it's already the case i mean for canada like i'm from canada so i know our team very well we have players from all over the world if you look at their at their backgrounds you have players from croatia from jamaica from uh i mean off the top of my head i can't think of but i did the math once and there was players from i think like 13 or 14 different countries on our national team uh, mm-hmm. their their descent not obviously a right. lot of them are born and raised in canada and I think for the U.S. it's very similar. Um, like you said, this is not a U.S. podcast, but I think the bigger problem for the U.S. is more the pay-to-play model. Um, you know, I grew up in Canada. I didn't play club football because I didn't want to pay $150 or $200 to play. You know, for me, that was insane. Even though I was a kid, what the coach would be like, okay, go tell your dad to, you know, pay $200. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell my dad to pay $200 for to pay $200 to play soccer, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of us uh, didn't really bother going into that organized football route. And uh, I, I play, I'm not going to say, I, I play competitive. I've played organized. And uh, a lot of the guys that played for clubs are really not that great. The only difference is, you know, they paid, their parents paid for them their entire right. uh, childhood. But in terms of quality, there's tons of players that don't play club because they can't afford to play club that are, that are unfortunately like, out of the system and, and they'll never make it so i think that for me that's the bigger issue i think the u.s is moving away from that um and obviously the uh, the growth of, of mls will definitely help that you know mls has produced a lot of uh for all the hate that mls gets i think mls is a terrific league <laughs> and uh you know when you look at the players that it's produced recently uh alfonso davies by munich uh, mckinney who plays for juventus um that plays for leipzig uh he used to play for new york uh, nycfc uh, you know, I, I think MLS is a good move. I think it gets a bad rep for no reason. Um, yeah, there's things that can be improved, but it's a it's a league that was created 25 years ago in a country with no real with no real football culture. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand. I know the history of football in the U.S., but it's still a country without football culture. It's not the number one sport, or the number two, or number three sport for that matter. So, the, what the U.S. has managed to accomplish in 25 years or whatever it is it, it is honestly incredible and i think too many people try to uh you know they don't give it enough credit and uh yeah it's unfortunate because i think mls is doing good things and uh, it, it'll only continue to get better uh, and we're seeing uh again sorry i know this is not a u.s podcast but i mean the fact that we see all these these high profile uh promising uh young south american players moving to mls instead of moving to europe i think tells you everything so yeah I'll leave it at that. Big shout out to Walid Ziani for coming on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Bilka613 underscore. That is B-Y-L-K-A 613 underscore on Twitter. And follow DZ Foot English at DZ Foot underscore E-N for all 
your Algerian football needs. Once again, thank you to Walid for coming on the show. 